Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Health Nuts podcast with certified holistic nutrition consultants Mary Vance and Caitlin Weeks. Our goal is to dispel mainstream nutrition myths and bring you the best in holistic health and real food education. Hey, Caitlin, are you there? Hi, Mary, how are you today? Good, just enjoying the beautiful San Francisco summer weather, which means down jackets and cranking the heat. Yeah, fog and until noon. I haven't seen the sun, I don't think, in weeks, so that's been kind of depressing, but um, I have an exciting show today for everyone. Caitlin and I have thought about doing something like this for a while, and our agenda for today is that we want to discuss why we became nutritionists. And so we have questions that have come in from readers and answers and career goals and information about how to get started in this field. So we're excited to share that with you. Uh, before we get into the nitty-gritty, as usual, I will spout our disclaimer, and then we'll get started. The only purpose of this podcast is to educate and to inform. It is no substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided with the understanding that it does not constitute medical advice or services. Instead, we just encourage you to discuss your concerns with a licensed healthcare provider. Caitlin Weeks and Mary Vance assume no liability for any of your activities in connection with this podcast. And just a reminder, you can find Caitlin at grassfedgirl.com and on Facebook. And I'm maryvancenc.com and on Facebook under Mary Vance Nutrition. And in terms of uh, fun things to share with you guys, speaking of my website, I just got it redesigned with the help of a very lovely web designer. And I'm very excited about that. So go check out my site, maryvancenc.com, because it's much easier to navigate, and I've added pages to it and fancied it up. So excited about that. Caitlin, what's new with you? Yeah, your, your website looks really great, Mary. I'm proud of you for getting that done. Thanks. It was. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say how long it took to reconfigure the whole thing. I think I've been working on the design for two years or something, trying to figure out what I want. So it's definitely been the fruition of a lot of uh, trying to figure out how to put it all together. Yeah, it's a pain in the butt, I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, my little brother came to visit me for the past week, and I uh, just kind of got off track just in playing around we went to acupuncture, massage, and foot massage, and oh wow, that sounds awesome! Uh, stuff like that. Uh, he likes all the same kind of stuff as I do. He's a person. He got his kinesiology degree in. He just graduated recently, so he's into a lot of the same stuff I am. And we went to acupuncture. Did I say that? Um, so he got me off track from working for a few days but then he left so now I'm back on track working almost done with my proofreading of my book and should be coming the next few weeks so very excited for that it's Mediterranean paleo recipes Mediterranean paleo cooking is the title and um, on my uh, blog I just put up a chia pudding as well as I'm working on a pumpkin pancakes with cherry sauce recipe that I'll put up. And then I also just put up a 
Mediterranean stuffed artichokes with grass-fed beef. What's new on your blog, Mary? Well, I am putting my uh, book up soon. Just like you, I have a book coming out. It's called Three Weeks to Vitality. And I'm just finishing up the bonus guide that goes with it. And it, it is a really good instructive guide that teaches people how to clean up their diet and jumpstart weight loss and kick the junk in 21 days. So I'm putting that on my site, and that should be out hopefully sometime at the end of July or beginning of August. But on my website, some posts that I've put up recently are one about microwaving, because I used to be a hardcore no microwaves in my house. I think it's been almost 10 years that I've lived without a microwave, and now I'm kind of starting to reconsider. And I did all this research, and it turns out, you know, microwaves actually save energy, and they don't emit much radiation, but, you know, my philosophy has been that we're exposed to so many electromagnetic waves and radiation from computers and iPhones and your television and uh, having your headset on your head all the time that why do you want to have one more thing that sort of spews radiation? But I, I think what I've kind of come to the conclusion on is that I, I might go buy a microwave and just to use it for really quick and easy, fast rewarming food or melting butter or something like that. But um, I'm kind of beginning to change my stance on it. Do you have a microwave? No. I don't have space. Um, I really, that, I mean, that was one big thing was like, oh, that it takes up a lot of space and, you know, our place is really s small. So I was like, that's a big thing. But, you know, I don't, I don't think that food cooked in the microwave tastes any good. So. Well, it doesn't. And that, that's actually a good point is I would never use it for cooking food. But I think, so what I also discovered is that if you, you know, food, one of the biggest things people are worried about is that microwaving destroys nutrients. But if you heat food at all, it destroys nutrients inevitably. But you can use, you know, we know that long, slow cooking preserves nutrients best. So you can use the lower power settings just to reheat food and then it doesn't make it all rubbery and gross because microwave food really does taste gross especially if you over microwave it and then it turns out really rubbery one time in high school my friend like her brother was like kind of on drugs and he sold <laughs> he sold like all their stuff in um so it was so weird going to her house because you we had to hook cook stuff on the stove to like heat up leftovers and it was like the first time in my life i'd ever done that you know <laughs> So, I can't imagine you could rake in a lot of money from your microwave to buy drugs with, but that's yeah, so very crazy. Yeah. But um, but that was the first time I like learned how to like use the stovetop to heat up leftovers. So it shows you the generation that we're. Well, like, yeah, I've been using like cast iron skillet and oven for years now, and I'm just used to it. But people come over my house and they really complain. I know. Why don't you have a microwave? You know, and I and it never even occurs to me. But now that I have been doing so much recipe experimentation and baking and you know you often need to melt coconut oil and the way I melt coconut oil now is to immerse the jar in a pan of boiling water and just sit there and wait for it to melt and it takes forever and it's really annoying and so I'm kind of looking forward to possibly you can get really small machines so um, I also I mean what I found is I've just really grown accustomed to a toaster oven and I just put my you know, glass storage container into the um, 
into the little toaster oven, and that seems to work really well. You know, you don't even have to change containers or anything, and then you've got your heated food. So I encourage people to do that. I mean, I just feel like what's it's not worth the risk. We don't know for sure, and, you know, why have an extra big piece of junk on your counter? And That's true. <laughs> I'd say just err on the side of caution and... You know, yeah, I mean, a traditional method of, you know, like Weston A. Price. <laughs> you're right. And you're talking about the precautionary principle, which means that if we don't know if something may kill us, then it's best to err on the side of caution and not use it. But I don't know. Microwaves have been around since the 80s. And I feel like <laughs> I don't know if if rates of. So has uh, aspartame. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's a very good point. But you're right. Um, I don't know. I still haven't made up my mind. But I the don't think it, I could. Maybe I could pick up one on the street, but I don't think I could uh, go spend actual cash on one. They, well, they're like 100 bucks, the tiny ones. Oh, but, no way. <laughs> uh, the other thing on my site is solutions, 10 secrets for sound sleep. So that's always a popular one because all of my clients have trouble sleeping. And again, going Going back to what I was saying earlier about how we're bombarded with all these electromagnetic wavelengths all day long that stimulate our brain function when we're constantly looking at our phones and our iPads and our computers and so mess up the melatonin. Yeah, I really I've seen some hormone tests come back where people have melatonin levels that are just in the toilet. And so Everybody could use some secrets for sound sleep. And, they, and actually, you know, our bodies are designed to rise and fall with the sun. So artificial light at night can really jack your hormone levels and keep you awake. And don't you have some special glasses that help with that or something? Yeah, there's these glasses on um, Amazon. They're just like 7 bucks, And you can watch TV with them. And they block out the blue light, and that's supposed to help your melatonin to be in the right levels for for falling asleep. So um, the other thing is uh, putting that computer program called Flux on your computer. That can help. It's a little harder. It's a free thing, so you can just um, Google Flux and then just download it. They haven't really made an easy version for iPad or iPhone yet. I mean, they have it, but you have to like jailbreak your phone or something. I don't know. It freaks me out <laughs> to like, I don't want to be messing with my phone or something. But um, I've also read about some uh, little covers that you can put over your phone, like this sort of like oh, yeah. sticky covers or something. Um, I haven't tried that out yet, but I wanted to. Um, I know there's, I'll put the link in the show notes. There's some company that offers those are really cheap. But the best thing is, I mean, a few years, probably a year ago, we made, uh, me and my husband, (laughs) a deal that we would not have any stuff in the bedroom when we go to bed, like no computers or iPhones. So we put everything out in the living room, and then I have all the electronics, like on a a power plug, like the TV and the DVD player, like on a power plug. So I turn all that off, so there's no little, you don't want any of those little... uh, flashing lights on any of that stuff and yeah and you don't want it to be on and I mean I really want to turn off my wi-fi which I should do at night um, because our place is small but then I realized that 
there's like 20 smart meters in our basement. So I'm like, what the, what's the difference? (laughs) (laughs) No, I know what you mean. And I have a very strong, no electronics in the bedroom policy. So I think that really helps because, well, a lot of people use TV to fall asleep at night, but. Oh no, no, that's the worst. And you, um, our Wi-Fi's out in the living room. It's not in our bedroom, but I'm still saying I think I should turn it off at night. But That's a good idea, yeah. Um, but I haven't gotten around to it yet, but it's on my list. All right, well, let's launch into our big, exciting show today. And I'm actually really excited to talk about this stuff because I get tons of emails every week from people wanting to make career changes or they're interested in the field of holistic health and nutrition. Me too. And they're... I know. I mean, I developed occasionally. Um, occasionally, I developed finally a Q and A list that's a PDF file that I just send people, and I have to apologize and say I'm sorry. I, I get so many of these emails that I don't have time to respond to each can one person. Send that to me so I can. Uh, send it out too. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So these are people that you know. They either want to make a career change or they're interested in the field and they want to know the best place to start. And I remember back when I was starting out, it can be really daunting to navigate info about the programs and decide on a school. And I remember when I wanted to study nutrition, I looked online and it was all clinical hospital work and registered dietitian and mainstream low-fat processed food. And that really turned me off. And that's actually really sad because if you're going to work in a hospital, that's the place where people need nourishing food the most and not the nasty jello and, and whole wheat bread that they feed people. But... I, um, you know, did a lot of research and eventually got pointed in the right direction, but I, it didn't really even occur to me to reach out and ask anyone else for help, which I should have done, but <laughs> there, there are so many conflicting and uh, competing and different fields of study that it can be kind of hard to wade through. But why did you decide to choose this field, Caitlin? Well, um, as many of you may know, I was a trainer for seven years and the thing I kept running into after several years was and I had always been very interested in nutrition because I had lost a lot of weight when I was younger when I after college and stuff and I had seen the benefits of changing your diet um, but I kept seeing with my clients that no matter how much we exercised that it didn't matter if it, if their nutrition was all wrong or off, that they would never lose weight and they wouldn't see the changes that they should be seeing. And uh, so, and I found myself just so focused on their nutrition that it got to the point where I was I had lost a lot of the interest in the exercise and I just wanted to talk about the nutrition. So I was like, I think this is a sign that I should continue this study further. Yeah. Um, and you know. I don't really remember how I got involved with Bauman, but I think I just had maybe Googled it and I, you know, saw that it was close by to us. It's just over the bridge in Berkeley. So I got on their mailing list, I guess, and, you know, got their emails for a while. And then I think I went to some sort of open house or something and then I decided to enroll. Yeah. And so... Caitlin's talking about Bowman College, which is where both she and I study, and it's Bowman, B-A-U-M-A-N, college.org is the site. And, you know, just a little background, you can read on my site, maryvancenc.com, go to the about page, and it explains all about 
how I grew up as an animal lover, raising and training show horses, and I was a really hardcore vegetarian, and then my health took a hit because of that. And that's how I really kind of made this connection between what you eat and how that dictates how healthy you're going to be. And that's a really important connection to make. And a lot of people, I think, are having are, are more aware about that now. Um, but that was right around then I, that I was just really passionate about learning this stuff and teaching it to other people. And I'm sure I was annoying to my friends because I was always commenting on what they're eating and telling them that they should eat, be eating this way to help boost their health or or solve any health problems they were having. But I was working at the Ecology Center in Berkeley doing uh, writing, actually, a column for their magazine about health and the environment. And I learned about it because you said Bowman's in Berkeley. So I learned about Bowman that way. And like you, I went to an open house. And I just remember thinking, this is perfect. This is holistic nutrition. We're talking about using food to heal the body. And these other programs that I looked at were more about the very mainstream nutrition myths that we kind of set out to dispel on this show about low fat diets to lose weight and calorie restriction and all of the things that I knew that made people sicker and not healthier. So really rebalancing the body by understanding exactly what's causing someone's health problems and then using food and herbs and natural therapies to help bring the body back into balance. That really spoke to me and was, I really knew that I had landed in the right place when I knew that was part of the curriculum. So you went to the school, uh, the classroom, correct? Yeah, I did. I did. They have distance learning options available, but I did the uh, classroom study. And I actually really got a lot out of that because it was great to, I made a lot of close friends through the program and it was great to kind of be there in person and connect with your peers and talk, you know, put names with faces and really get hands-on learning from your professors. So, and it also, what was really enriching about it is we would all have to give a talk. Uh, each module that we studied, someone would have to go up and, or I think there were two people, you'd have to choose a topic related to the module and give a talk. And so it really gave you a chance to hone your public speaking skills and get up in front of a group and you know, at the end of the year, you would do your final project on whatever you wanted to specialize in. And so not only did it give you a chance to really research and write a very extensive paper about it, but then you stood up and talked for 30 minutes about that. And that helps because you can get out and it helps you just get your message out there a little better. Yeah, I did the um, online program because I was still working as a trainer and you know, I needed to pay for this expensive school. So <laughs> I wanted to be, you have to be really flexible when you're a trainer and take people at night and stuff. And I just felt like the, the schedule wasn't going to be beneficial for me. And, um, and also it, it also lets you go on your own time pace, whereas the classroom is a little faster. Yeah. So I think, so, I, I mean, I knew a lot of friends that dropped out of the classroom because, they went so fast that they couldn't um, keep up with it. Not not because it was too complex, but just they couldn't keep up with the workload because most of the people are trying to work at the same time and stuff like. So it's good that they have that option. And it, I mean, I had some good mentors, um, you know, that were very knowledgeable and very thorough. Uh, well, did you have any negative? Well, like you mentioned, I was working full time, forty hours a week, and going to school. 
And I did, you know, the classroom program. And so by the end of the two years, I was in serious adrenal burnout. And I hooked up with a mentor, Dan Kalish, who we're actually going to have uh, as a guest on an upcoming podcast at, right after I graduated. And he ran an adrenal panel on me and I was stage three adrenal exhaustion. So I was completely burned out. I was having horrible panic attacks and really bad anxiety. And I remember my boyfriend at the time took me to Hawaii right after I finished the program. And I was so just wired and frazzled and not feeling well because I was just so fried that I remember just being in Hawaii trying to meditate and heal myself and thinking I, I need some serious adrenal rejuvenation. So Dan helped me put my adrenals back together and that helped a lot. But yeah, it was really hardcore to uh, uh, be working 40 hours a week and I was spending at least 20 to 40 hours a week. Well, probably not 40, but I was spending at least 20 hours a week uh, doing school stuff and then I was reading everything I could get my hands on. And so um, it would be a lot more beneficial to either be working part-time and go through a program like that or you know, be working in the field or doing a, a home study. But other than that, I, I loved the program, and I think they've restructured it. It's been almost 10 years since I've gone through it. <laughs> um, so, so you felt that it was – there wasn't anything that you would change about the program, like specifically about Bauman or something? Well, the other school that many people choose is Institute for Integrative Nutrition, IIN. Uh-huh. And – I've heard comments from pe- people who've gone through that program is that they do have a very strong business component where they teach you how to market yourself and get your business up and running. However, I have heard many times that they don't have as strong of a curriculum in terms of clinical nutrition that Bowman does. And that would be my only downside about my experience with Bowman is that I feel that the business practices side was lacking. And I don't know if that's different now, but... I, when I got out of school, I thought I would just hang up a sign on the street and, and say, I was, my business is open, come on, and everybody get some nutrition consultation. But I had no idea you know, the scope of what it takes to really promote yourself and market your business so that people are aware of your services. Yeah, my only critique of the Bauman program is it's a little bit... Um, I mean, I had a lot of, especially if you're not in the classroom, I feel like you can get more from the teachers, and that's um, what the, some, our friend Diane Sanfilippo said, she got a lot from the teachers that she didn't really get from the curriculum, but if you're at home, and you're only studying the the curriculum that they give you, a lot of it is very vegetarian oriented, and I have um, my intern Coco sometimes writes for me on my blog she writes blog posts and stuff, so you'll see her on my blog. And she said it's still very vegetarian-oriented. And, and I would just keep your um, – I, I during that first year of school, I ended up eating a lot of soy because it was, it was you know, pretty much, uh, you know, talked about in the curriculum as being so healthy for you. And I just – I really wish they would revamp and change their position on that because – that really was destructive for me. So um. that's interesting because I, w- when I was doing the in classroom program, I didn't get that at all. They were really they did a very good job of presenting all sides of a vegetarian diet, the pros and cons, and it really was 
just kind of a more Weston A price sort of soak I mean, your grains, meat based kind of program. Yeah, later on, I felt like after the first maybe nine months, then I started getting into the Weston A price stuff with the curriculum, but not at the beginning. So um, I would just caution people to, you know, have your critical thinking hat on. <laughs> yeah, good. Well, let's get into our questions from readers. So we, I talked about this a little bit earlier, but uh, this person wants to know the differences between what holistic nutritionist, what that means versus an RD, which is a registered dietitian. And so, I, like I said, I, I mentioned this briefly, but in my research and, and what I've discovered is that if you're studying in a college program an RD to get your uh, registered dietitian license, then you're typically going to be groomed to work in a hospital environment. And that means that you have to design meals for people there within the confines of the USDA nutrition guidelines, which, as we all know, are based on the pyramid that is really skewed because it says that the base of our diet should be grains, and a lot of them are refined grains like cereal and bagels and rice and pasta, and there's a lot of dairy involved. They use dairy as a big protein source. And a lot of people have allergies and sensitivities to grains and dairy. So if you're feeding them that, especially when they're sick, it's going to make them a lot worse. And it is really heartbreaking to me when people come to me. I do a lot of work with people who have Crohn's disease, colitis, and uh, IBS. And they'll tell me that their doctors, you know, put them on this really low protein, low fat, high carb diet because that's, quote, the easy to digest foods and it's making them so much worse. So... I think it's really important to figure out what your goals are in terms of what and what your belief system is. And for me, I've always been a really strong believer in alternative healing therapies and not mainstream conventional medicine, which I think is very valuable for emergency purposes, but I think it's not a healing model. It's just based on prescription drugs and treating symptoms rather than helping to rebalance the body. So that is kind of what was really important to me about choosing a, a program that was more holistic, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. The You know, a, a registered dietitian is going to be, you know, a much more in-depth program, but you're not going to get really the, the things that you need to know are not, you're not going to get them. I mean, and, and there's a lot of, uh, laws and things when you end up getting out, you won't even be able to actually help people get healthy, which is, I think why somebody would want to do this. So, you know, it can be, um, I mean, I know a few people that are registered dietitians that are changing. You, you'll never regret getting extra education or doing that, but you really have to kind of think outside the box after you, get out. I mean, I know like Amy Kubal and Stephanie Grunke, they're RDs. Um, also Laura Schoenfeld from Ancestralize Me. They're all RDs, but they have sought out kind of alternative uh, mentors and, you know, career choices. So you just kind of have to, if you do decide to go that route, you, you can, you just have to, you know, look for other opportunities outside of a you know, maybe working with an integrative doctor or something like that. 
Yeah, and actually, I've gotten a lot of emails included in the inquiries that I get from RDs who have gone through a program like that that's very clinical, hospital-based, and they have that education. And I can remember on several occasions getting emails where they've said they just can't work in that atmosphere anymore because, it, again, they have this heartbreaking experience where they're feeding people within the guidelines of what they're doing as what their job dictates and how it's not helping people and people are getting worse and they can't in good faith continue along on that model and they're looking for something a little bit more holistic and alternative. Yeah, there's so, also, also Alice the paleo dietitian. Yeah, yeah. She's got a lot of really good info and she's got a book coming out soon about IBS and um, she was a diabetes educator and she decided to go back to school to become a naturopathic doctor. So, um, yeah, you can only do for so long if you... You can only work in the conventional model for so long before you start pulling your hair out. <laughs> totally. So um, the next question, we talked a little bit about this. You know, how did you pick your particular school or some schools better than others? Uh, well, we both live in the Bay Area, so I think... Um, that's kind of why we heard about our school, but you can go online to Bauman if you, you want to. Um, since being out of school, I've found out a lot about a lot of other programs like, um, that I'd be interested in, or, uh, if I had it to do over, maybe I would have done if I had known about them at the time. But I mean, I think one thing you have to always remember is this is a kind of a lifelong learning thing. You just know, you don't just get your certificate and then just that's it I mean you, you hopefully have a drive and a passion for this that's going to extend way beyond the, your first certification or diploma or whatever so um, you just want to keep searching for more and, and this field's always changing we're always learning so um, just you know think about being a lifelong learner but there's some other programs that I've been interested in and met people that have done, um, one of my friends, Carla Hernandez, uh, did the NTA program and she's, has a great business here called Wise Roots Nutrition, Wise Roots Nutrition. And tell everyone what the NTA program is. Right. It's, um, uh, <laughs> great. Now I can't remember. No, it's, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, Nutritional Therapy Association. And it's, Kind of a half uh, online, half, uh, they have several, like three or four get-together weekends where they have workshops during the program. I think it's about a year, um, but I know a lot of people, like I know Liz Wolf of Cave Girl Eats did that one too, and um, they're very Western A price oriented from the get-go, and um, I, I think it's a, a good program, you know, it, also short, but it can be a great way to get into it and um, and get, you know, kind of get your foot in the door and then there's some other programs that I've been interested in is the there's a master's uh, at Hawthorne has oh, yeah Hawthorne University is another one um, I don't know if it's accredited or not my um, sister's sister-in-law is in school there now of the kitchen rag Diana Glasser um, she's in school there now and she likes it uh, I know Melissa from Whole Nine is went there or just going there. Um, so there's that one, and that's 100% online. So that's something to look into. And then you would have a master's 
Uh, I think that would be great because I think nobody really cares where your schooling is from. Um, <laughs> yeah, we were talking about this at the potluck that we all had with our nutritionist colleagues and friends that I think in the almost 10 years I've been doing this and the hundreds of people that I've worked with, maybe only two or three have really grilled me about my background, but people just want you to help them and make them feel better. Yeah, I, I think it's just also positioning yourself as an expert in yeah. having a good website, but let's get into that later. But let me tell you a little bit more about the other programs. There's one that I've really been interested in called the University of Western States has a master's in functional medicine. And, um, I think that one looks really cool and I'd like to go there, but you know, of course it's expensive. So there's also courses you can take at the Institute for functional medicine. And then there's a new place that's kind of popped up. It's called the Institute for the psychology of eating. I always think they are, their stuff looks really cool. Um, I don't really know anyone who's been there, but I think it looks really interesting. <laughs> um, you can be like a psychology of eating coach or something. That sounds really cool. Yeah, there's a lot of need for that. There's also the functional diagnostic nutrition, which I th I've worked with Reed Davis several times on the phone doing lab um, consultations from BioHealth. And, you know, I think that would be a great program to do. It's I know Sean Croxton's a big fan of, of functional diagnostic nutrition. So I think that they teach you, I mean, he's told me that they do a lot of um, work uh, teaching you how to set up your business model so that you're not exhausted and over stressed. And that's a big thing that can happen um, when you get into this kind of giving lifestyle of yeah. um, healing. And then one more is, and I'll, I'll let you talk about this one, is the Dr. Kalish program. So tell us a little bit more about that one, Mary. Yeah, speaking of functional medicine, and Dr. Kalish really taught me everything I know today about functional medicine, and I don't think I'd have nearly as successful a practice as I do without knowing the ins and outs of that, and he's really involved with BioHealth, the lab down in San Diego, and their Institute for Functional Medicine program, but functional diagnostic medicine just teaches you how to use certain lab tests to uncover hidden underlying imbalances that lead to health problems. And that's kind of what is the missing piece in our uh, health system, healthcare system here in the United States. But it's a lot of learning to rebalance the adrenal system, learning how to spot GI infections, meaning pathogens and parasites, also rebalancing your detox system and your immune system. So it basically, long story short, goes through and systematically teaches you how to rebalance people and teach them how to regain their health by rebalancing their body systems. So when we have him on our show, you know, he'll talk a little bit more about it, but his website is kalishresearch.com. You can learn more about his program, which is awesome. I actually helped him design that program and it taught me so much. And there are practitioners everywhere using this model. I think even the Mayo Clinic has been investigating, adapting that into their program. Dr. Mercola, he and Dr. Mercola are uh, friends and colleagues, and Dr. Mercola is using his methods in his clinic in Chicago. So it's pretty much the way that a lot of people who have been doing this for a long time, you know, something about nutrition is that it, that's a great background that you have to get people having solid nutrition and lifestyle modifications in place but if someone's not getting better there's often something underlying going on that you have to test these different body systems to figure out what's going on and so that's what functional medicine really does yeah but is it 
tell us more. The program's like six months or a year? Or? It's a six-month program, and there's something like 12 different modules. And it goes exactly what I was saying. It goes through all the body systems, and there's adrenals, female hormones. And it's all online. It's all online. It's webinar-based, and you get a lot of manuals to follow. There's guidebooks, and the mentorship aspect is really kind of invaluable. So I still do the continuing education weekly clinical rounds calls, and you can listen in to your colleagues, you know, talking about case studies that they have, and you can submit tough cases that you have and get feedback from Dan and your colleagues on it. And and that was one thing that really tripped me up when I first got started is, you know, you're out there, a solo practitioner, all on your own, and you get these tough cases, and you're like, great, I don't have anyone to talk to about this. So it's really nice to foster this community of practitioners that are like-minded that you can, you know, kind of run things by. And Do you think and- that that program would be suitable for somebody who had never done any, like, let's say we hadn't gone to Bauman first. Do you think that program would be suitable for someone like that who yes. didn't have any experience? Uh, there, to answer your question, there are people that don't have a an, you know, any kind of a licensure or certification from an accredited program that, that go through these functional medicine programs, but you do have to have a really strong... And Dan used to, in his screening process, say you have to be a nutritionist, a chiropractor, some sort of practitioner. But, you know, if you have a basic idea and, and you know, about anatomy and physiology, then you would probably do okay, but you would be lost if you just decided you wanted to study this field and came into that program. I mean, you're, you have to... And you're an English major? <laughs> yeah. So if you... Like a lot of the emails I get are people that don't have any... They're, they're just interested, and they've done a lot of reading, but they don't have the the background or knowledge on the physiology aspect of it, and so that would be a little hard. But uh, before we move on, there's one more program. Bastyr University, B-A-S-T-Y-R, and they have a naturopathic study, um, an area of study that's naturopathic medicine. I think it's up in Seattle. And they also have acupuncture, but they have a Bachelor of Science with major in nutrition and culinary arts and exercise science, and I've heard some pretty good things about that. Yeah, and in fact... It's like a million dollars. Is it? <laughs> and you have to live there. I mean, you have to go live in... You have to go, yeah. yeah. One of my old friends used to work at Bastyr, like in the admissions office, and um, I mean, it's a wonderful school. And my one of my good friends here is a naturopathic doctor who went to Bastyr, and um but they don't do as far as i know any online you have to go up there and live and you know so it's like going to undergrad again so it's a whole ball of wax and one thing i also wanted to talk about too is people frequently ask me whether to take the exam to be board certified in holistic nutrition and that exam was just starting to i think it was just an option right when I was graduating. And one of my teachers told me that, again, people aren't really looking at whether or not you're board certified or whether you're... I think the only people who are going to notice that is your colleagues. Exactly. (laughs) And it's apparently a pretty hardcore exam. And I mean, there's obviously some merit to being board certified, but I don't think it makes a difference in terms of you building your practice if you take that exam. I haven't seen any evidence that it's all of a sudden launched someone's career into overdrive. Well, I think, yeah, this whole field is kind of 
new anyway, so nobody knows what it means or anything. But I think it would be a good challenge. It definitely would be a good challenge, like, for you or me to do that because yeah. it would be, like, a re refresher course. Totally. <laughs> so, um, so, I mean, it, you know, I don't think you're ever going to regret learning more. But That's know, a very good point. But, yeah, like, don't let it be like, oh, I can't do – I can't take a client because I didn't take the NANP. Um, that's the National Association of Nutrition Professionals. They're the ones who offer it, right? Exactly, uh, yeah. So, you know, that's something, of course, you can do anytime, but you don't want to let that stop you from starting to work or anything like that. So let's get into the next question. How did you get started working in the field of nutrition after graduating, and how did you grow your network? So that's a really good question because, like I said earlier, I assumed that when I graduated, all I had to do was open my door and people would show up, and that sadly did not happen. So, so were you working at your old job? Like, I was. Until, until and, how did you get out of your old job and get in? Well, what I my plan was is I dropped down to half time, so I worked twenty hours a week at my old job, and then I was going to transition into 20 hours a week doing nutrition until I felt comfortable enough to go out on my own. And I thought I would do that over the course of a year. And that actually took three years. And what I did and what I learned that was most valuable immediately after graduating was start networking. So the other thing that's so important is that you, you have to get in this field. You have to get continuing education. So you have to attend seminars. You always have to be learning. There's always new studies and things to keep on top of. And like Caitlin just said, you, there's never any harm in continuing to learn and expand your knowledge base on this stuff. So I went to a lot of seminars sponsored by some of the supplement companies like Designs for Health and Apex Energetics. Make and sure you do that during your time as a student because you get really good discounts. Yeah, yeah. The standard process uh, seminars were really helpful for that. And yeah, they're going to push their supplements on you, but you get a lot of really good information from some really top speakers in the field. So sometimes you need—I mean, you need to know about supplements. I mean, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you have to have a, a good knowledge base about how to apply herbal therapies and supplements and nutrients too. So all of that is really useful, and I, that's how I started networking. And I think it's really important also to pick a niche, you know, pick a very specific focal point on what you want your practice to be. And at that point, and I still have a focus in my practice on women's health. So I learned all I could and uh, continued to make connections in the field of women's health. And so when, I, you, when you say networking, what do you mean by that? So I went to these seminars and conferences and with, you know, my colleagues and met other practitioners and I expanded my network, met chiropractors, met acupuncturists, met other nutritionists and set up a referral network so that, you know, we would cross refer and that's how I came across Dan Kalish and which brings me to my next point is I think it's really important to have a mentor when you're first starting out, you know, find someone whose philosophies you agree with, uh, someone who's doing what you want to be doing and let learn from them, you know, let them see if you can shadow them, work in their office a few days a week for or free. just collaborate yeah. with them. <laughs> Offer your services for free. 
Yeah. Because you so, learn as much from somebody like that as you would paying for another $10,000 course, you know. Yeah, because that's basically hands-on learning and watching someone who's doing it in action. And that was really invaluable for me. So that all took me a good two years. So you, two met, you met Dr. Kalish at like a, like a huh. seminar for... I did. And... Actually, that seminar was really cool. It was Designs for Health Sponsored. It was called Practice Empowerment and Placement Program. And, you know, I, I met Beth Gillespie, who's the Designs for Health rep in this uh, section, California. And she also was another invaluable resource for hooking me up with people. I think she actually introduced me to Dan and introduced me to other practitioners in this area. And she's become a good friend of mine as well. And so this is what I'm talking about, about growing your network. And that experience that I got in those first two or three years was just invaluable. And I was learning more and making more connections than I was actually working in the field at that time. <laughs> but then, you know, that's when I started also doing some business coaching and learning how to market myself and promote myself. You, you sought out a business coach? I did. The first thing I did was I went to a weekend seminar uh, called Rejuvenate Your Practice with a married couple, Jesse and Sharla Jacobs, who are based down in Santa Cruz, and they give this uh, weekend seminar that's complimentary. It's free because they're introducing you to their coaching program, and they have this philosophy called heart selling, which means that you're really genuinely, you know, everybody who gets into this work wants to help people, obviously. So they talk about how to attract clients without being, you know, annoying and salesy because that's the thing is nobody really wants to do the the marketing work you want to be doing the nutrition work but you can't do the nutrition work until you learn how to market yourself so I did that weekend seminar and I didn't end up signing on for their program because it's like 10 grand and I didn't want to spend that money at the time so I found a business coach and got my website up and learned how to do the marketing work and a lot of times um and you can do some trading to, with some people to help you get like your website and things like that. Yeah, that's always a really good idea. In fact, that's what I was saying. I when you have no pay. money at the beginning. Yeah, and that works really well, especially for body work when you're super stressed out. Find a massage therapist that needs nutrition help and and trade nutrition for body work. But so anyway, just to summarize what I was saying, you know, as soon as you get out of school, you know, pick your focal point, whether it's digestive wellness. Uh, whether it's weight loss or women's health or men's health, then start networking, you know, meet as many people as you possibly can. And I was going into offices. I remember sitting at Google, my desk and Googling acupuncturists, you know, holistic medicine, San Francisco. And I would just email these people and I would go in and talk to them. And uh, if I liked their philosophy, then we would cross refer. And I would refer people because you, you know, often when you're working with people, on nutrition, they need other help too. They need acupuncture help or they need a massage therapist. Um, yeah, that's so, a great idea to kind of um, cross-refer like that. Yeah. So, you know, do the networking, get a mentor, do some business coaching. That's, that's my advice for that. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to tell you, I mean, also tell a little bit more about since I had a totally different <laughs> entry into it um, because I was already a trainer and it really flowed 
pretty naturally, um, it wasn't at that hard for me to, because uh, I think I already had a website, you know, I already had a lot of things that you, because it's a similar business, you're in, um, you know, you're, you're in business for yourself alone, and so it, it was a lot, I think, easier for me to transition into it, uh, but I had, but starting out as a trainer was very difficult, but uh, I also went to a lot of um, networking, like I did Business Networking International, which I think is great because they can put you into power teams. No, BNI, yeah, I get mercilessly recruited into BNI meetings. And yeah, I mean, the I final think, straw there is I was like, I'm not getting up at five in the morning to go to a BNI meeting. <laughs> I mean, I think it can be really good. Uh, I did it the first year that I was in business, and and then it was very tiring. But like you said, you, you do have to get up in front of the group. You have to talk. Yeah. Um, it does help you hone your about me. You know, yeah. what when people ask you, what do you do? Your elevator pitch. Yeah, I mean, if you say, if people ask, this has been a really valuable tidbit for me. People say, oh, what do you do? And you say, oh, I'm a nutritionist. They have no idea what that means. You have to say, you know, I help people feel better by helping them balance the underlying cause of their health problems instead of just treating the symptoms. And they're like, oh, you know, they don't care if you're an acupuncturist or you're a nutritionist. They just want to know how you work and what you do for people. Yeah, and um, the same thing as Mary said, I, I created a lot of, cross-referrals with people, um, and, you know, if you are a trainer and you're thinking about getting into this work, it's a great compliment to what you're doing, so, yeah, um, and, and eventually I think you'll find that you don't want to do training anymore, um, but, you know, you may not, you may want to just do it as part of your, your training, uh, but I think it was a little easier for me. Um, another thing I did that you could, another program that I forgot to mention was the Czech Holistic Lifestyle Coaching, which is a great add-on to training uh, if you're interested in that. And you can also go up in that and, and just do lifestyle coaching rather than, um, they have all the way level up to five. Paul Czech is a guru down in San Diego who has an <laughs> institute, and he's very well known. So I highly recommend those he, he talks a ton about the stress uh, relationship between all of our illnesses. And it's very, very, uh, you know, he teaches you about metabolic typing. And and um, I really think it's a wonderful program. So that's something else you could look into. Yeah, his book is Eat, Move, and Be Healthy. So mm-hmm. highly recommend. Now, um what are some possibilities for a career in nutrition besides meeting with clients? And I think this is really important to know about this because eventually I think what a lot of us run into is like some burnout with the clients. And it's a really good idea to kind of be thinking all the time, what is your kind of long-term goal? Because uh, sometimes you can only give so much before you're kind of give you've, you've given out. So um, you always want to be thinking, what can you do to kind of make money without the one-on-one, you know, trading hours for dollars type of thing. So I know one of my friends is uh, works at a nutrition supplement company called Thorn. So that's um, 
she has a great podcast called Elevate Your Energy. And so uh, that would be an option for you if you want to work for supplement companies. What else? What are some other ideas, Mary? Well, there is a big market for people who want to be writers. And, you know, with a background in journalism like I had, I do a lot of writing for certain publications and blogging is also an option. Yeah, I've and, had several offers to write blogs, blog posts for other people, which yeah. I, never, I never had time to do it. But um, uh, guest blogging is always a great way to grow your your blog or your nutrition practice. Um, guest blog on a big website that has a lot of traffic, and you'll get a lot of calls, especially about specific topics like you know, how to fix your period or something like that. <laughs> also, I mean, this is still meeting with clients, but working in an integrative medical facility or an integrative health center, uh, I remember actually reading through the information at Bowman and there was a blurb about being a nutrition consultant at a spa like Canyon Ranch so if you want to jet away to Mexico, you could start your own yoga retreat and nutrition center. But that's what I did too. I worked in uh, Morgan Camp, Dr. Morgan Camp's office in Mill Valley, California, and he's an integrative medical doctor and I was a nutritionist in the office. So that's another option. I mean, obviously you're meeting with clients, but that's another option to help you learn the ins and outs of how to run this business. Well, that can be good too because you're not alone and sometimes this business can be very isolating. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, it's a really good idea to really get your website up. And uh, most people I know have started doing some sort of product, uh, either a, an ebook or a cookbook or um, That's really some good advice. sort of online class. Uh, those are all options that once you kind of grow your network or your subscriber base, you will... Uh, want to have some sort of thing because what you're going to find is you have an individual perspective and your perspective is special and so you know you want to distill it down to what you think is important and people will respond to that so you always have to know your own strengths and you know don't try to be anybody else just try to capitalize on what you offer and you have a specific special story and people will respond to you from that. So, um, you know, keep a lot of your work throughout school and stuff because I know some people who have created their programs based on their schoolwork. Uh, so, yeah, so just be you. Yeah. That's a really good point. Um, you know, the next question here is can you make a decent living being a nutritionist? And something I wanted to reiterate that you said is developing an online program that people, you know, on your website where people can download your program. Um, you could have a course in how to heal your food allergies, how to improve your periods, how to detox safely in three weeks. And you can record MP3s and make a book. And, you know, that's a product that you just make from scratch. And people will download it and that gets your message out. And that's another way to have passive income. You know, you can see clients and then you can have your product that is out there selling that kind of represents who you are. And to answer this question, I remember, again, when I first got started, I was talking to another nutritionist at the time and he said, 
it was a guy, he actually, who had gone to Bowman a year before me, and he was like, there's no way that anyone can make a living being a nutritionist only. You need to have a spouse that's going to support you because this field is, is uh, it's not just not possible for you to make enough income. And I wholeheartedly disagree with that, but I mean, you have to work your ass off. I'm not going to lie. You, you need to do the, the work, but it's absolutely possible to make a living being a nutritionist. And, you know, people charge in this work anywhere from $100 an hour up from there. I mean, there's nutritionists in my network that I know living in L.A. making $500,000 a year. And the interesting thing is, is that... I think that those are the people who aren't spending eight hours a day talking and working with clients. They're the people that are focused more on doing seminars and they're working on their products and they're selling their products because if you are working eight hours a day talking to people and working with clients, that is kind of a fast burnout. You have to have, I think, your hand in a couple of different pots. You know, Have your product, have a book, uh, spend some time seeing clients, work with people over the phone. It, you have to get a little bit creative and, and figure out also, do you want to have an office where you meet with people? Do you want to do Skype? Um, you know, the, the sky's the limit in terms of designing your business to be how you want it to be. Yeah, you really have to think outside the box, I think. Yeah. Um, there is no um, X plus Y equals, you know, this is completely what you create. And you, you have to be kind of an entrepreneur and... Um, because this whole field is new and it's not defined. So you have to kind of envision. And, you know, during school I would think about, write down what kind of business you see yourself having and, and visualize it because that's what you want to be always focused on. Um, and, yes, I mean, I know lots of people who, who make a lot of money doing this. Um, but like Mary said, they're not the people who see clients back to back to back. Because um, that's just, I don't think, a sustainable model. Yeah, and, you know, you. I remember just starting out and being really excited. I couldn't wait to, like, work with as many clients as possible. And that's what you want to do. But that is a way for a recipe for fast burnout. And there's a way to help people and get your message out there without having to work with clients back-to-back -back eight hours a day for five days a week or even more than that. So... It's really about doing that to a certain extent. And then, like Caitlin said, like you just said, being creative about how you're going to get your message out there and make an income as I mean, well. I think the biggest thing to, to do right from the get-go, because it doesn't take any um, real money or anything, is just get a good website and just start writing blogs. I mean, I was just shocked at how how well how many people I reached with my blog that I could never, you know, get out on the street and walk around and hand out my business card. And it, yeah. to me, that's such a, a waste of time when I could just write an article, which, which showed, you know, some expertise as well as reach so many people. And then, and I constantly got clients from that. So I think that for me would be the biggest tip is just get your website going. And get a Facebook presence. Cause that's, you know, people are, social media driven these days and you need to have a presence on Facebook so people are sharing your posts and they're telling their friends about you and that's how word spreads. This whole social media marketing is really the wave of the future in this field. Absolutely. And then sometimes this is just confidence. You know, you you don't have you gotta fake it till you make it, you know, and just put on a big smile and 
you know, you're not going to know the answer to everything, but you can always say, well, I'm going to get back to you on that. You know, I'll send you any, a link later. Or, you know, you don't have to be an expert on every single thing to go ahead and get started. Good point. Uh, next question. I really love this question. What is a typical day like? Uh, and obviously I want to hear from you on your typical day, Caitlin, <laughs> but my typical days have morphed so much into different days now than they did when I first started out. When I was working for Morgan Camp, obviously I would go to work every day and be in the office and see people back to back. And although I love that, it was really a lot of work because what I think people don't understand when you're working with clients is that you spend a lot of time on each person's case outside the office than you do face to face with them. You're gathering information from them for an hour, hour and a half, and then you need to go study what they've told you and draw up a program for them to follow based on your knowledge, and that takes a lot of time. So, you know, for each person that you're talking to for an hour, that's three to five hours of work outside the office almost every time you talk to them. So, you know, back in the days of yore, that was my typical day until I realized I don't have the energy to do that five days a week. So, I started to branch out a little bit and, you know, grow my own practice and have more phone work because then you don't have to get dressed and go to the office and sit in the office all day. You know, you can pay for an office and paying office rent, not to mention, which is exorbitant in San Francisco. But I started to get more involved in online work and developing products and collaborating with other people. And now I have an ebook. And so my typical day now is that I still get maybe two new clients a week, which is perfect for me. And so every day I'm talking to at least, you know, three people, three clients that I'm working with about their programs and we're checking in and how are they doing and I'm answering tons of emails and I'm on calls and I'm running my own errands and I'm taking care of stuff around the house and I'm working on my website and I'm on Facebook sharing tips for people. I'm working on my own projects. I'm writing articles. So, I mean, it's go, go, go all day long, but I love the way I've set it up because I work for myself and I set my own schedule. And a lot of the work I do now is just phone work, so I don't have to meet people in the office. And I do typically for the first intake session, and then we follow up by phone. So I really love, you know, the the fact that I can do a lot of this work and work with people all over the world via Skype. Yeah, I mean, my day is pretty much the same as yours. Um, I've cut back on my clients, um, but I still have a few that I've uh, have to that I talk to, and you know, working on my blog and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I would encourage people when they if they decide to change careers and the get go to try to downsize in some way to take off some of the burden, um, because you know it is going to be there is going to be some growing pains at first and you don't want to be pedal to the metal with, you know, fancy lifestyle when you're in school, you know, that you have to finance and go into debt and stuff like that. So I would try to try to downsize in some way, maybe moving back with your parents or something like that, or, you know, ask your spouse to, to help you out for a little while or, just something so that you can take some of that pressure off of yourself because it's, it is a quite, and both me and Mary had kind of health breakdowns when we were in school or right after. Um, so we don't want that to happen to you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but my typical day is very similar to Mary's. I do a lot of cooking and 
photographing and working on my ebook. Same kind of stuff. But the best thing I think for healing from my perspective was before when I was a trainer, I had to, had six o'clock clients in the morning. And I think that was very, very hard on me. And now I just wake up naturally. And I think that's one of the biggest things about healing my Hashimoto's blah, blah, blah. So, <laughs> Is that a technical term? The yeah. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so I encourage people to really just kind of wake up naturally with the sunshine and stuff like that. I think that makes a huge difference. Um, yeah, well, sleep is essential for recovery, but listen to our adrenal podcast for more information on that. Yeah. Um, but just try to, you know, maybe see if you can cut back on some of your expenses while you're you're doing this just to preserve your health. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next question. I was wondering if you could address actually starting a career after your training. Can you tell us the difficulties and challenges you've had to face when you started your career and what advice would you have for someone to start a successful practice? So I feel like we kind of have addressed a lot of these points, but in terms of the difficulties and challenges, really the one thing that helped me the most is, like I said earlier, finding a mentor, you know, really honing your niche and figuring out what your focal point is going to be, you know, because... And, and learning that you can't be all things to all people. If you get a, a person that you talk to on the phone, and, and one of my biggest recommendations is to screen everybody that you talk to. You know, make sure you, when you get an inquiry with someone who wants to work with you, talk to them on the phone. You know, see how committed they are. See what their concerns are and what their goals are. And if you feel it's over your head, don't be afraid to refer out because if you if you have this kind of air of desperation that you're going to take every single client because you need the money and you you want to get as many clients as possible you're going to get stuck with a lot of tough cases and you're going to burn yourself out as well so and it'll end up being a bad situation where the person doesn't feel like they're getting the right service so you, you're better off just to go ahead and cut and run yeah exactly <laughs> so and in terms of starting a successful practice, I really think that this collaborative effort is the way to go instead of, you know, finding office space and opening an office and being all by yourself. I mean, I really enjoyed, um, after I worked in Morgan's office, I went to Thriving Life Wellness Center in the Lower Haight here in San Francisco, and I worked with Christine Cantwell, the chiropractor there, and Robin Springer, who's the acupuncturist there. And we did some cross-referring, and I brought my dog to work, and I loved being in the office and being a part of an integrative wellness community because, again, it sometimes takes a village to heal people, and you need to refer them to uh, different modalities, whether it's acupuncture or a personal trainer or you know massage therapist, like I mentioned earlier. So uh, really just the networking and the collaborative effort and having people around you that can help you and support you answering questions, you know, go join meetup and go to the San Francisco integrative holistic healthcare uh, meetup groups that they do around town. There's tons of holistic practitioners that get together all the time. And that's a great way to network and meet people in the field and hear about how other people are dealing with their challenges. So, um, you know, it's really just getting out there and connecting with people in your community and online uh, and that's a lot of um, paleo meetups. You can meet people. Yeah, exactly. And you know, talking over food is always a great thing. But um, but yeah, I mean that that's my two cents on that. Yeah, I, I I think you covered that pretty well. So uh, just to wrap things up here, a couple more questions information here wanted on how you started your company, 
your background and to get some ideas about directions to go in. Um, so this person, you know, wanted to know a little bit more about kind of what we've already discussed. And in terms of how you started your business, um, you know, I, I kind of talked about the overarching thing for that, but you know, the points I just spoke about in the last question, but the nuts and bolts are if you want to start a business, also, whatever city you're in and you're going to be meeting with people in person, you need to think about getting a business license, decide about whether or not you want office space, do you want to share an office with someone, do you want to pay rent, do you want to make yours a phone practice. Um, I used to do all exclusively in-person work because, you know, some people want to need to do body composition analysis, um, you know, do you, you and you kind of want to meet people and get a good feeling about working with them, you know, face to face, but you can transition into a phone practice after that. So, you know, decide about your office space. How do you want to set up your business? Do, keep very <laughs> accurate accounting and bookkeeping records. That's really important. I'm so terrible. One thing that would help, I mean, one thing that's always <laughs> helped me with that is like to just get one kind of business credit card and just put everything on there. And then you have, all those reports at the end of the year, you can just print out one thing and you have it. And, and I think the IRS likes that better than having big boxes of receipts. <laughs> That's um, what I do to I my mean, accountant. I do keep receipts as well, but you know, as far as for when you're figuring it out at the end of the year, it's a lot easier if you just put everything on one credit card, that's your, you know, business credit card. And the other thing I would caution people is like, don't, um, sign up for a, an office space with like, uh, you know, and it has to be $500 rent no matter what. I would work out some sort of percentage or something like that with the, maybe you're working in a chiropractor's office or massage therapist or something. Like you do not want to have to ante up X amount per month when you don't know, um, you know, how much you're going to bring in. So I would be really careful about that because that can make you you know, shoot you in the foot. Yeah, and, you know, like I was saying earlier, too, the more organized you are about all this stuff, and that's what I'm terrible about is I need an administrative assistant so badly. But, you know, keep really accurate records, keep all your receipts, make a bank account separately for your business, and like you said, have a credit card for your business. Set up accounts with lab companies like Metametrics and BioHealth and working with another uh, integrative medical doctor or chiropractor that you can order testing through and that can, you know, you guys can cross refer. That always helps. And you get great discounts on. You get really good discounts on uh, whole, buying supplements wholesale. Yeah, That's true. So you want to definitely sign up with maybe Designs for Health or Emerson or and BioHealth. I mean, this person also asks about the ideas for the direction, discovering what direction you want to go in and and that's entirely up to where your passion is. I mean, if you're passionate about tons of different topics in this field, then pick one that you really want to learn more about, like yeah, digestive. Yeah, the more you specialize, the more you can charge, I think. And, you know, you may be something you're passionate about from your past or, you know, your grandmother has Alzheimer's or something like that. So, I mean, I know when, uh, like, Julie Matthews here in town did – went to our school and she specializes in autism. Yeah, and she's doing great with her business. And that will evolve over time, too. You can start off with 
like I decided to specialize in women's health and that's been honed down a lot to fertility and specifically hormone balance. I mean, there's a lot of different women's health uh, topics that you could choose. So find something that really speaks to you and hone it down as much as possible. And then, you know, like the, like Steve Wright, the specific carbohydrate diet guru that we had on our podcast a couple of podcasts back, you know, they're just focusing on healing from Crohn's disease and colitis and, you know, digestive wellness is huge. So weight loss is obviously huge. So. <laughs> yeah, there's so many ways, but like Mary said, just, just do something that kind of resonates with your, your heart, so to speak. So I hope we have answered all your questions. Anything else you can think of, Mary? Well, those are all our questions that came in, but yeah, I feel like we covered a lot of info and, and that's all of the stuff that I wish that I'd known when I got out of school is just, I felt kind of lost and confused and I didn't know where to start. And the biggest thing for me was that I felt really alone. Like you said, I, I didn't know when I had a question, like who was I supposed to ask? And I remember emailing some of my teachers and asking them questions and then wondering, you know, after you get out in the real world, who do you ask questions of if you have well, I think you have to make friends with other nutritionists. I know, um, like Carla one day called me out of the out of the phone book, you know, and then just dropped by, and then now we're we're good friends, you know, stuff like yeah. that. Um, and you know, me and you became friends because Diane introduced us, you know. So, and you know, I met her through school, and um, so you just really kind of have to reach out and get out of your own little bubble and. Be like, you know, there's other people who, uh, who have done this before me, and and eventually they end up becoming your friends, and you know, then, you know, you started way before me, but you ask me stuff all the time, and vice versa, you know. <laughs> yeah, and and that's the the thing is go out there, and you have to do the continuing education, you know, again, meet with your colleagues, and I'm in Dan Kalish's clinical rounds group. So I'm meeting with other practitioners weekly and we're talking about cases and, you know, do the continuing education, meet with your colleagues. You know, Caitlin and I host a nutritionist meetup potlucks where we all get together and talk about all this stuff. So it really does become kind of your lifestyle. Yes. You end up attracting a lot of similar like-minded people if you just keep at it. So yeah, which is really cool. And then you don't feel so isolated. Uh, so we wish you great luck in your nutrition career. <laughs> Let us know how you're doing. Yeah, and I'm sorry, but if you email me questions about this, I'll probably send you my stock Q and A because I don't, I don't have pro I don't have time to handle the volume of questions I get about this stuff, but. We hope, that's why we designed this podcast, because we hope it will address a lot of the questions that you have. And uh, make sure and leave us a review on iTunes. We really appreciate any reviews as we're trying to grow our podcast. And share this with your friends who might be thinking about a nutrition career. This is our 10th show, Mary. Can you believe that? <laughs> I can. That's awesome. So share our, our old podcasts with your friends. You know, we have ones, great ones on adrenal fatigue, anxiety, IBS. Uh, and we're going to have an upcoming show on... With Dan um, Kalish. Very excited yeah. about that. 
And uh, our last podcast with about emotional eating with Brittany Watkins was a barn burner. So you can listen to that one. Um, and I'm excited for Dr. Kalish to come on next time. What's a and barn burner? Coming up, just like <laughs> a big, a big deal. I love that. I've never heard that before. <laughs> You're from the country. Come on, Mary. I know. That's why it's so shocking. <laughs> um, and then we also have the paleo mom confirmed. She's going to talk all about the autoimmune protocol. So if you have any questions about the autoimmune protocol and why, if it's good or if it's the right thing for you, definitely shoot those over to us at our contact forms. Uh, and anything else, Mary? That's it. Thanks for listening. Yes. Share with your friends and listen next time. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.